Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Second hour of the show is here. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network, which includes Muscle Shoals in Florence, Alabama, Fox Sports Shoals, Fox Sports Knoxville, and the Upper Cumberland with Sports Radio 104.7. We are live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. You can follow us on Twitter at Outkick360. We've recapped some of the NFL weekend. We'll get back into that this hour. Also get into our top performers across the gridiron from the weekend as well. Tennessee Power Hour, an hour from now, we'll get into Titans and Chiefs. Titans winning 27-3 over Kansas City yesterday at Nissan Stadium, uh, plus the Vols against Bama, where Alabama won 52-24. Uh, across the, the college football slate, guys, uh, nine overtimes. Nine overtimes as Penn State falls to Illinois and disrupts what was going to be uh, an epic showdown of Penn State, Ohio State this weekend uh, paired up with Michigan, Michigan State. Now, still significant. It's going to be the the big game of the week between Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, but the loss to Illinois takes a little bit of the gloss and the shine off of the matchup in week nine of the college football season and the, the Big Ten uh, challenge for uh, the championship. Um but nine overtimes doesn't feel like nine overtimes anymore. No, I'm against this. It's too much. It's too close to the penalty kick shootout that everybody uh, doesn't like as as a conclusion to to a, a soccer match. I think it's too quick to go to two point back and forth, and it's I don't know. There's not enough football to it. What what was wrong with it as it was? Well, they're trying to limit the amount of plays that guys are playing. It's all a player safety issue. And when you get five, six, seven overtimes where you're starting at the 25 and running full series, uh, you're going to be running more plays. In theory, that's great. I have no problem with it. But it would end sooner. The issue that I have is when saying it's the most overtimes in college football history with nine overtimes, It's it's hollow because... You know, I witnessed a uh, a six overtime game in Tuscaloosa between Tennessee and Alabama that lasted what felt like about six hours because they start at the twenty five and you have big third down conversions and fourth downs and it keeps going and going. Then eventually you have to go for two. You know, was the third overtime you go for two? Now it's you just start trading two point conversions instead of starting at the twenty five and having to go for two if you score it. Uh, in theory, I'm okay with it. It was just. Not fun in practice on Saturday where it looked like both Penn State and Illinois had a trick play call for that situation, and then they were just out of place. It's, it's, uh, we'll run it up the middle. Uh, Illinois had about three straight where they just dropped the quarterback who threw a quick pass into double coverage. There was no design to get people open on a rub route or anything. It was just very – there was no run-pass option a few times. Everything you think you would do in that moment – to win the game with a two-point conversion, it was some really poor play calling. And look, I, you know, may, maybe I crowned James Franklin the next USC or LSU coach 
a little bit too early because oh, no. he just lost at home as a 24-and-a-half-point favorite. That's he not will, good. He will find a way to get one of those two jobs. Carson Palmer today, I saw, said uh, James Franklin's the front runner at his alma mater uh, to be the next head Who coach. Who tweeted out the, the, he also, the he stat also about said, the nine overtime losing coaches the previous season? Brett McMurphy. I wish I had the exact uh, tweet. But he, he just glorious. said, you know, crazy stat. James Franklin is set to become the first USC head coach to lose the previous season in nine overtimes to, to Illinois at home. It was something along those lines. It was really well done. But I, it just it felt like both teams kind of ran out of plays. At oh, one it, point. it's By supposed the, to be super exciting, and it didn't, it didn't. Oh, it was exciting. I, I, I don't, yeah, it was exciting in that it's tense because it could end at any moment. But like he's saying, the the play, the quality of play at that stage was not. Very well, it cool. should never it should never happen that way because someone's got to end it. Yeah, I mean on offense, and then finally Illinois scored. And they couldn't stop Penn State. And then they go, oh, now we're going to another overtime. So the moment you thought it was going to end, and then suddenly Illinois' defense, which was great, you know, couldn't, uh, couldn't, get, the, couldn't get the stop. So, but then their quarterback got knocked out. Yeah, I don't want to completely knock it because it's the first real high-profile one we've seen get to that point. And I thought both coaches were so bad with their play calls. It was really and bad. And both offenses were so bad. It muddies the way I view the process because I'm not a soccer purist. But damn it, if I don't love penalty kicks when it gets to that, that's exciting when it's going back and forth and you're watching that and the crowd's on their feet. Uh, I know hockey people, hate they love the playoff format where you play and play and play until 2 a.m. But man, I love a, a nice shootout in the regular season. So in theory, I don't mind the, the dueling two-point conversions, but I'd love to see a little better offense to go with it. It did feel like at a certain point they got... Like Franklin, it, it, it appeared, just sent the guys out there and said, we're going to run it right up the middle, see what, see what happens. Like the you fourth know, or fifth overtime was just a handoff draw right up the middle. Well, he got one. Uh, they actually scored on the one to match Illinois, but I feel like the previous two is just stuff for a loss yeah. of one. It's like, you know what they're not going to expect? <laughs> a straight handoff. handoff up the middle. But I mean, even a quarterback draw, you know, like spread, spread mm-hmm. everyone out and drop back and just take off. Of, there was none of that. They had the the trick play where Clifford was wide open with the first two point conversion and dropped it, and outside of wide that they open. had they had nothing else. Well, you knew when he dropped it that it was that going was, to be Illinois' day. It felt like Illinois' day. I uh, I laughed at one point. Now, I'm watching that whole fourth quarter. I think this was in the fourth quarter when when uh, it was coming down to the wire. I don't know if you guys saw this, but they had a sideline shot of James Franklin, <laughs> and he moved uh, someone in a wheelchair back. But at first glance, I'm like, did James Franklin in a moment of frustration just shoo away uh, someone that's, you know, a disabled person in a wheelchair? And then I went back and watched. It was one of his players who had like a broken leg and the leg was kind of propped up in the air. And I think he was he was kind of backing up and got close to him and looked back at him twice and then told him to move back. But I think it was for his safety. Because he was moving that way and didn't want to trip over him or knock into him. But at first glance, I was like, man, if you don't like James Franklin, this would be some nice ammo to play this little gif I of mean, him moving back the person, shooing them away. Should that guy be on the sideline anywhere? 
But it was funny because the guy got your leg propped up. Well, the, the guy didn't even nowhere for you to. He be. also didn't even like react or like he just moved back in reverse. He had the little thing that went back. Says, so that's like a naked gun back. scene waiting to happen." Yeah, it was uh, a guy with the leg propped up in a wheelchair on a football. It, side it was it was a go. tough look, but not as tough as it looked as, as losing to Illinois at home as a twenty-four and a half point favorite. Oklahoma State was an underdog despite being unbeaten among the country's unbeaten teams on the road against Iowa State. Iowa State the favorite, um, and, and they end up winning this game 24-21. Oklahoma State this year has had four one-possession victories, and they found a way. And it was Iowa State that was able to overcome the Cowboys' defense in this game and hold off Oklahoma State to serve them their first loss. The, uh, the, the charging of the field was so awkward in this game. People were pouring from everywhere. But the one camera angle at the beginning, there were yellow jacketed security guards kind of in the corner and they were holding like a plastic chain link rope. And the fans were actually kind of observing that. Meanwhile, they're flooding from everywhere else. But these security guards really got it done with the plastic rope. Well, it's they're also seven and a half point favorite in the game. Mm. I, I tweeted that out. It's a that's you fair like foul. But it was weird as more than a touchdown favorite to storm the field. Uh, and especially Iowa State, who was preseason top 10. And they haven't lived up those expectations. Well, it, was, it was a great win, and it's their first really good win of the year. And I think Oklahoma State is better than maybe some are giving credence to. So nice win. Brock Purdy was really good. Uh, Brees Hall was great for Iowa State, but I thought it was a little odd to storm the field as a seven-point favorite. Well, they grind. Oklahoma State grinds you down, but that's also the style of Iowa State. And I think it's important to note Iowa State with two losses – at five and two now, three and one in the conference, being a, a preseason top ten and knowing what the expectations are for Matt Campbell in that program, they're going to have a lot of say in determining the outcome of the Big Twelve because they still play Texas, they still play Oklahoma. Uh, they will let's see, they go on the road this week for West Virginia, then they host Texas. They will visit Oklahoma November twentieth. So. Oklahoma State found out the hard way about Iowa State in this. Texas and Oklahoma still have to go through, but Oklahoma survived a scare against Kansas after being terrible in the first half. They woke up and won in the second half. What in the world is Oklahoma right now? I I still have no clue. I watched that second half comeback against Texas and think, okay, Caleb Williams is the quarterback now. They figured it out. They're great. They're down 10-0 to Kansas. Kansas, ladies and gentlemen, is the worst Power 5 program by far and are terrible. And it took a magic act by Caleb Williams, not once but twice on fourth down. Fourth and three, he had the long touchdown run. He was stopped for a seven-yard loss. Two Kansas defenders took an awful angle on him in the backfield. It looked like he had nowhere to go. He makes one little hesitation move, cuts back to the middle, runs it in for a touchdown. Kansas goes right down and scores. They're trying to run out the clock. Oklahoma's got the fourth and three. We've all seen the highlight now where he takes it from his running back. From Brooks. And runs it for a first down. Heads up play. And that's what Did they Brooks are. They, really Iowa give State, it up? Brooks is talking like he gave it up. I don't know that Brooks was really giving it up so much as Williams was taking it. He was being He was taking it. And he knew he was giving the football up. And then he finally realized what was going on. Yeah, he let go when he looked up and saw what was happening. I mean, yeah, he, was, he did the right thing to hold on as tight as he Williams. could. Yes. And by a freshman. I mean, that, that's the difference is they, they are now led by a guy who has a savvy and a moxie to him that's going to keep them alive and wake them up from sleepwalking in a game as like this. As opposed to rat. 
But going back to Iowa State, they're not winning a game like that against the Cyclones. No, Iowa State needs to beat Oklahoma. That's the game I'm looking at the schedule and saying Iowa State, I think, is better than Oklahoma. Even though the record doesn't show it, I I think that's the game that Oklahoma needs to lose. Uh, Oklahoma, I mean, I want to say they're a paper champion right now, but they keep finding a way. I mean, that's it, it, sometimes those teams are the special teams because yeah. even when they don't have it, they still find a way. I also thought it was cool that Kansas opened up the gates to their stadium. There was no one at the game early. Yeah, they put and when out they were up to nothing, they put out, they tweeted out, if Everybody's you want to come watch welcome. a possible upset, come on in, even if you didn't pay that's for a very ticket. Cool. And people started showing up. Well, the way they slept walked and the way Bama beat Tennessee, Bama moves ahead of them by one spot in the AP Top 25 this week. Uh, Alabama up to number three in the country behind Georgia and Cincinnati. Uh, meanwhile, Al- uh, Oklahoma down one spot uh, to four overall at eight and zero. So seven and one, Bama moves ahead of the Sooners. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan at five and six. Michigan has Michigan State this week. Ohio State has Penn State this week. Oregon up three Huge spots. Weekend. Oregon up three spots to number seven. Michigan State up one spot to eight. Uh, Iowa and Ole Miss also move up into the top 10 this weekend. Ole Miss up to number 10 in the country, uh, moving up two spots from 12 to 10. Iowa up from 11 to 9. Big 10 sorts itself out in the next three weeks. Yes. I mean, but I mean, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State. What a huge Saturday in the Big 10 East. A lot of really good games this week. I'm not going to have the same problem I had last week with uh, a top 10 list. No. When you look at the games uh, for uh, the Halloween weekend. It'll be fun. Plus, well, we will be at the uh, the cocktail party in Jacksonville. Will you make the list all about spooky themes? And No, not going to do that. Whoa. I'll kick the tailgate Saturday morning. We will be in Jacksonville for Florida. And number one, Georgia, uh, will be on the air across the network at 8 a.m. Central, 9 o'clock Eastern, uh, live from right outside of uh, the, the stadium there. With Fox. We are in the, uh, I still call it Alltel Stadium. It's your I don't know place. what it's called now, but whatever Love it is, it's Stadium in Jacksonville. I Bank Field. Great. Alltel Stadium. You prefer We're it to be outside of Alltel Stadium. Right? You hated it, but now you prefer it to Gainesville. Oh, absolutely. It's impressive. It's really climbing the ranks. I prefer huh? most places to Gainesville. <laughs> Jacksonville working its way up. Uh, Chad's headed to Starkville this week. Jacksonville is now the 27th best city in Florida. Top performers of the NFL weekend. Where does Ryan Tannehill stack in that case? Derek Carr uh, and the Raiders continue to win without John Gruden. Burrow and Chase with the one-two punch. Uh, Plus uh, the GOAT, Tom Brady, with an historic weekend yet again. All of that and more straight ahead on OutKick 360. Coming up, our thoughts on the Atlanta Braves making it to the World Series game one tomorrow against Houston. Discuss that and more. J.P. Aaron Sibia will be on the show tomorrow. We'll preview game one. We'll be on later in the week as well. Uh, looking forward to a lot of college football discussion. We mentioned um, the, the weekend ahead. Uh, it'll be a nice build to the kickoff weekend here on, on OutKick 360. Uh, NFL-wise, some surprises yesterday. And surprises just based on final scores. Not many competitive games overall. Now, I, I do think a couple of final scores on paper are not exactly the way the game panned out. 
the 27-3 final here in Nashville with the Titans and Chiefs is exactly what you see as you wake up today. It was bigger than that. Really. It was it was a destruction. Um, same same goes for the most part with Cincinnati and Baltimore. Baltimore kept it close for a while in the third quarter, early third quarter, and then Cincinnati turned it on, and and Baltimore had no answers. New but, England and the Jets also was. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was Sorry. that was a destruction. Belichick just will do anything to the Jets. Like any sense of uh, being noble or dignified or anything goes out the window against the Jets. By the way, update on Zach Wilson for those interested. I doubt any anyone listening has him on their <laughs> fantasy team. Uh, he's at out least, two to four weeks yeah, with least. an MCL issue. And uh, they... So Western Kentucky, at our listening area, Western Kentucky uh, former quarterback Mike White will be the starter this who's week. Who's not a good backup plan. They will be playing Cincinnati at home. New England won their first game at home this season. That's their first win. Right. They were 0-4. They got their first win yesterday, and it's now a sweep against the Jets for the sixth consecutive year. I'm Even when they're not that good, six. they sweep them. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a destruction. Now, a game that was not exactly how the score looks. 24-10, Green Bay winners over Washington. For Washington, they had a lot of big plays in the game, but they had some really bad errors throughout. They have long drives that, that just went unfinished where they either turned the ball over or missed a kick or whatever. Uh, didn't end up or having to settle for a field goal instead of a touchdown. They're good, but they're not good enough to win a game like this on the road at Lambeau. And that's ultimately the big issue that's holding them back. They're, they're good, not good enough on defense. They're good at times at quarterback with Heineke, not good enough, not consistent enough. And their playmakers are good, not great. And that's just who they are right now. They're a two-win team. Uh, but there are signs of optimism, even in the darkness of Washington football team. They topped Green Bay in yards, 430 to 304. They outgained them on first downs, 25 to 19. And here's what's the most surprising. They tripled the Packers' rushing yards in this game, 195 to 57, and lost. Lost by 14 to Green Bay. And Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers make it look like it's a video game at times. It's... It's a nice win for Green Bay on a day where they didn't have their best football. 30, and on paper, it looks like they did. A 32.3 uh, QBR for Heineke versus yeah, he 76.8 for Rodgers. That's, that's a big part of the difference they had a, there. They had a turnover on downs, and then Green Bay scored. They went up by two, two possessions. After the turnover on downs, Heineke then threw an interception, and... That's all she wrote. He also lost a fumble along. He the way. also had a very He's just weak. Not good enough. He had a very weak play at the goal line where he could have easily gotten in, and he tried to save himself and sort of died. I thought initially slide, he got slide. in. They did too. They called it a touchdown, and they challenged it. And then they, yeah, they, oh, they, they could. Well, they did call it a touchdown. You're right. They reviewed it because of the scoring play, and uh, went back and saw that once you give yourself up, it's why where did the ball Rivera is. throw the red flag then? Did they not call it a touchdown on the field? Because Rivera was all over. I don't know. The I, officials. I I assume that it was. Uh, that I thought they called it a touchdown originally, and then came back and said it wasn't. That's a penalty, right? If when you, you give when you give yourself up, that's reviewed. Well, when you give yourself up, it's where the ball is, and yeah. he did a very weak job. He did. Of, no, it was, he had a touchdown. It was going to be definitive. But just he, he just run it in, and it throw, cost them seven. Is it throwing your flag with no timeouts or throwing your flag uh, 
with, with no, I something think, that's reviewed or both? I think Jim, Malarkey did Jim this Schwartz once or something. Penalty. Jim Schwartz got one yeah. of these started. I was at the game, um, but I can't remember which it is. Um, it might be both. Hats off to the Cincinnati Bengals winning 41-17 to over Baltimore. Um, fifth overall pick, Jamar Chase, is just on a tear. He is the offensive rookie of the year, barring injury. I mean, he is excellent. And Burrow... Uh, the, the amount of times that Burrow just throws it up to him, accurate throws for the most part, but the way he's able to shift open, spin out of a tackle, slide to get out of a second tackle, and then by the time he does that, he's in the open field. And if you watch the big highlight where he spins out after making the catch and goes for 40, the acceleration after 10 yards where the defensive back thinks he's going to catch him and then all of a sudden, he hits a different gear. It's elite wide receiver play. And it's what it's why you draft him over the offensive tackle, even though Jamar Chase set out the 2020 season and opted out from LSU. The one play call where he had like four guys and then ran away very easily once they all kind of... Kevin Harlan had a great call of that. He said, put him in a blender. Yeah. He put him in a blender and, and he ran away. It's fantastic. Also, Jamar Chase, the leading receiver of the weekend with 201 yards. Number two... Another rookie who's drafted ahead of him, Kyler, uh, Kyle Pitts, 163 receiving yards. So he's starting cool. to emerge and for he, Atlanta. There's this one catch he made down the sideline, far sideline yesterday against Miami. That is just beautiful. Uh, that that's uh, Arthur Smith is doing nice work. Matt Ryan's also doing nice work with Arthur Smith. Uh, now three and three on the season, Atlanta. Yeah, you know they're not doing because they had a bye week. You know he's not doing nice work. Flores and Miami's defense. Terrible. Which everyone thought was a strength and was a year ago. Like Washington. Fifth in scoring defense. defense and now one of the worst in the league. I have no idea what their game plan was on Kyle Pitts. He had his biggest receiving weekend the week before against the Jets. They come out there and try to match up one-on-one with him with linebackers at time, and he's torching them. It was, it's, it's been a weird season for Miami, but let's not – everyone wants to talk about Tua and the offense and will they trade for Deshaun Watson – they have been an abject failure defensively for a group that was hanging their hat on defense. Yes. We just talked about Washington last week, and we just mentioned their game. That's another team. There are two teams who were grounded in defense last year who figured they'd grow off of that, who've disappeared on, on their foundation, which I think part of it, it might be kind of – you hinted at it there, Chad. You kind of like – Come to expect, okay, we've got the defensive part down, and now we're going to build off of that, and the defensive part disappears on. Uh, yeah, the, the Falcons, by the way, three and three. They have they're two and one on the road, and they've won two straight now after coming off the London game, having the bye week. They beat Miami, and and they did it on a game winning drive after Miami drove down the field with Tua. Tua didn't play bad, by the Tua way. Tua had good numbers. Yesterday. He was he was good, and that's why I, I was taking Miami last week in an upset. Because I thought all the talk about Deshaun Watson would fire him up some. And it did. He, he played well against a bad Atlanta defense. They don't have the horses on that side. But what they have is Arthur Smith's play calling, which has been phenomenal. And they're a half they're game three up three. on our Panthers now. They're 3-3. Three and three, And if the Saints lose tonight, they're tied for second in the division. Um, keep that in mind about the Atlanta Falcons, who were presumed dead upon arrival coming into the season. Um, also, uh, dead and not really coming back from it, the New York Giants. But props uh, to a, a great day from Daniel Jones. He completed all but six of 26 pass attempts, no turnovers, and then won the football game. 
They beat the Panthers that Paul just mentioned, handing the Panthers their fourth loss. They are 3-0 and with Christian McCaffrey. They are 0-4 without him. And Sam Darnold, this may be his one and only season in Carolina. He was awful yesterday. He was benched in the second half. Uh, although, Matt Rule says they're going back with him next week. And guess, Chad, who got some credit for the Giants' win? One Jeremy Pruitt. Oh, gosh. Who suggested uh, to the head coach there a method for practice last week where they slowed things down and went heavy walk out of his experience with uh, a beat-up Tennessee team where they went heavy walkthroughs and light practice. The Giants were so beat up that they, they went like at least half walks in their practices last week so that they could get everybody on the field <laughs> what a concept. to do what they wanted to do <laughs> and then practice that, you know, f- full speed with only the guys that were thoughts. healthy enough to that do it. That heavy walk formula worked so well that they put Walked it out there right for an entire time. game oh, against on, Georgia on, State. <laughs> no, they went ahead with a heavy walk. Hey, guys, this you're is not just a heavy walk. Up. I read You're, this. I know. I know. I, think it was I know. Peter you read King this. or uh, Albert Breer. But so who gave who gave Jeremy Pruitt props for coming up with that? That's like me uh, giving you a glass of water. Uh, I understand. And you and me telling you, you know what? Drink this. It's going to it's going to keep you hydrate, hydrate. Yeah. And then you Joe after after feeling better after the glass of water, giving me props for suggesting that water would hydrate you. I don't disagree, but Joe Judge gave him credit somewhere, and Peter King or Albert Breer saw it, uh, felt it worthy. Yeah, let me tell you something about Joe Judge and Jeremy Pruitt and that whole little Southern football coaching cabal that they have up there with the Giants. That, that, that was a terrible move by the Giants. Joe Judge is an idiot. Bringing on Jeremy Pruitt, not smart. I mean, he's an analyst. You know who else so he's is not, an idiot? Phil Fulmer. Yes, Phil Fulmer made a mistake. He should have hired Mel Tucker at Tennessee, obviously. But Phil Fulmer's not an idiot. Phil Fulmer was a good coach. These guys aren't good coaches, um, especially head coaches. So I, I don't give a damn what he did about a heavy walk or anything else because just like I said, he had a heavy walk against Georgia State. What was that hand gesture you were making, Paul? I was Paul? stirring the magic pot of trouble. Oh, well, Jeremy Pruitt. Jeremy Pruitt. Here's what, here's what Joe Judge said. Hey, Jeremy, you had a really tough week. Because you lit your coaching career on fire <laughs> when you decided to send that letter back. You're never going to coach in college again. We know that you cheated your ass throw off. Throw you a little bone. We know that you're going to get a 10-year show cause. So let me help my buddy out by talking about the heavy walk that he suggested this week that helped us beat a terrible Sam Darnold, who, by the way, is exactly what we thought he was with the Jets. He's terrible. And then we helped him. So, oh, it was my buddy Jeremy that suggested that heavy walk with a banged up team. Give me a break. Yeah, I don't know why you give uh, coach props. What is? Well, I don't know why Peter King or whoever it was includes it in his column. Well, they're in the cabal, I guess. I mean, it's so. Uh, that's that's high school talk. It sounds like a guy who was busy talking with his attorney all week and had to come up with a uh, a, a, a reason to bring something up in a meeting. Be like, hey, um, coach. Hey, hey, coach. You know what I think? Do the voice I, now. You know, I would suggest. Coach. Yeah, what, you're Pruitt in the meeting. I'm Joe suggest. Judge. All right, uh, let's go what around the room got, to all of our analysts. We're really banged up. What do we need? Uh, you well, guys know the assignment. What, what do we have this week? What, what's, the, uh, what's the outlook as we get ready to take on Carolina? Well, Joe, we got some real banged up football <laughs> players, and we got some guys that really need to step up. But to step up, they're going to have to be available on Sunday. So what we need to get ready for Sunday is what I did going into the Georgia State game, which is called a heavy walk. 
and that heavy walk is when you got a team that's real banged up as you get the guys out there and you walk, but you walk heavy. <laughs> now, just, to be, walk. just to be clear, I used the you term walk. heavy walk. I meant they went heavy you walk with heavy. the walkthroughs. Remember in high school when we talked about heavy petting with your prom date? <laughs> this is the same thing, but it's with your feet and you do heavy walking and we don't do a lot of running or jogging even. we just do heavy walk. And I think the, the, I think the men will be ready to go come Sunday against what Carolina is bringing to the table. So I, I used this be before, judge, judge. and I'll use it again. Boys, that's a hell of a win. I'm going to give out some game balls here. <laughs> first one, first one here goes to Coach Pruitt, who came up with a heavy walk hey, idea. Yeah. Don't you think all, everyone in the locker room didn't even know who Pruitt was at the time until he said, like, who's who? that fat guy over there? Oh, the guy who's The just, guy in the babushka? The guy who makes notes on the side <laughs> yeah. and never speaks. Where in, where in the, the guy you want to allow speaking the practice? The, the, guy the, on his face? the guy in the checkerboard babushka? Yeah. <laughs> He's a coach? Oh, great. This guy gets the game ball. Awesome. Yeah, that amazing. was fun. I enjoyed that. I hope we could get to that some more. Nice little note. The coach who suggested a walkthrough. <laughs> Did Brable get props for the way he handled it last week? Who suggested that to Brable last week Can with you, uh, with uh, the walkthrough that he had to get his I'm, team I'm healthy in a short week? I'm trying to think of somebody super obscure on the Jim Haslett. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I think it was a, uh, I think it was a throw a throw, throw a, a bone, bone to a guy who probably had a pretty tough week. Uh, in <laughs> That's the circles, best they could come up with, quite frankly. <laughs> I mean, look, it may very well work out and Pruitt gets, you know, a, a few million bucks. I don't think it will, Maybe. but uh, it's not a, <laughs> it's a money move. It's not a career move. So I think he wanted He's to make a money move. Give it's him like some Cardi shine B. about yeah. his, his, oh yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> He's Cardi B. Pruitt and Cardi B making money moves. Cardi B of the SEC, Jeremy Pruitt. Um, JoJo. Rams over the Lions 28-19, a game that was much closer than expected because Lions of the aggressive mentality. Crazy. I love the way they approach this game. All the talk and, and focus on Jared Goff and Stafford, and rightfully so. The hype was there for a reason. Everyone expected a blowout. Stafford was very good. He didn't turn the football over. Goff did. And that was the difference in the game. But the Lions were in the game because of an onside kick, two successful fake punts, and then three lead changes involving all this that allowed them to not just... They, they took a lead early. They caught... The L.A. off guard, the Rams are good enough to overcome the Lions in this. But here, here's a game that would have been a bad loss, right? This they is the turn game. it into a good loss. You turn it into a win, and no one even remembers this by the time no. you get to week 15. I'm saying think how bad you are. Oh, it would have been Detroit. awful. You pull all of this off, and you still lose by what, 8, 9? Yeah, 28, 19. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a nice story for Detroit, but it's a loss like all the other losses. So you showed some feist. I mean, I, I don't know. Ruined my oh, part. I mean, I, I'm watching that too. I, I love, I, I'm with you, Hutton. I love Dan Campbell's approach in that. Just go for it. You know, you got no shot other than to mix some things up, try some trick plays. If you're a heavy underdog, kick, try that all, all of the that. time. I mean, who cares this point? You're not going anywhere the this Texans year. should try some of this. Yeah, tr do, do some go for it type things in the game. I, I love that. I'm also watching... The, the hug with McVay and Jared Goff, Goff after the game. Goff wouldn't let him go. And then the, the, it's just an awkward. Who wouldn't let him like go? I, if Goff? I, I, Goff was like holding him in. Well, Goff. Uh, Take maybe, me back with you. Maybe he Take was me like, back. Well, you know the report from the weekend. Whenever uh, McVay called him on the trade, Goff hung up the phone on him, and they haven't talked since. Well, was, Goff left his helmet from, on. Uh, Glazer. Goff left the helmet on. I, I would have done the same thing. 
I know Stafford didn't have his helmet on. They, they greeted each other at midfield also. It's just an awkward situation. And for all we know, he's hugging him tight and saying, I'm going to bury you. He's saying, please take me back. Lose yeah. my number. I'll come be your three. Jared Goff, as calm as can be, goes, you may have won this battle, but I will win the war. Sunrises <laughs> in the east. He threw a costly pick that was in the end zone late in the fourth. Before that, he was okay. I mean, he, he was just fine. He was sharp on his passes. I felt like watching some of him and uh, in, in some of the, the, the clips from the game, it looked like a guy who Campbell lit, lit a fire underneath early. Now, he should have that well, anyway week. based on who he's facing this week, right? He's wanting to prove a point as he go back to L.A. He goes back to Detroit now uh, with an 0-14 record without Sean McVay as his head coach. He set that fire last week, right, with the postgame comments. That's what I'm about, saying. Yeah. He looked like a guy who had a fire lit underneath him. But he would, to me, he would have it anyway with the former team that he was facing. Cooper Cup, uh, we need to give him some accolades here. 10 catches, 156 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, and he was my guy to lead the week. He came in third. Former Titan, Khalif Raymond. Anyone want to guess what he did? 115 yards, six catches, and two touchdowns for the Lions. That would that would uh, sting. Oh no, no, no touchdowns for the Lions. Excuse me. That would sting worse for uh, Titans fans if, if Titans they hadn't. didn't just light up Kansas City in this game. Six catches, 115 yards. He's just a guy. He had a good day. He, no, he's been more than just a guy for them. He's been one of their go-to players. DeAndre Swift also, who continues to play banged up. Uh, he's always questionable. 144 yards from scrimmage in this game. The Lions are were okay. They continue to play well despite their winless record. I know how crazy that sounds, uh, but they keep games close. They're playing well for a bad team is what you're saying. Yeah, they're not admirable. the Jets. Yeah. They're not Houston. They're not getting you know? rolled. Yeah. But they're not, they're not good enough. They're going to catch one of these teams. One of these teams is going to look around and think, yeah, I mean, if the Jets can find just one, happened? the Lions can catch one. <laughs> if the Jets can beat the Titans, then surely the Lions can beat someone in this league. But the great, the great teams are not losing these types of games. Uh, go, uh, case in point, the Buccaneers. I actually took the Bears in the spread, which Oof. was like 13 and a half. I'm thinking, okay, this defense leads the NFL in sacks. We're overlooking the Bears' defense in this. I, I thought it was going to be a very low-scoring game. Wasn't, was picking the, wasn't picking the Bucs to, to win the game. Uh, but I didn't see a shellacking coming the way that this game went down. 38-3 the final, and Tom Brady throws his 600th touchdown pass. He actually has 601. Throws his 600th touchdown pass in a game that was not close. Guess Justin all. Fields' QBR in that game. What's the lowest you can have? Seven. Zero. Seven. 17. Oh, you can actually have zero? Yeah. 27. Something with a I seven it was like, in it. Yeah, I thought it was seven. It's not high. 1.9. Three wow. interceptions, four sacks. Tough day. Yeah, bad day. Well, it's like Eli said. Eli said if he threw one com- every pass incompleted, but a couple of his incomplete passes were interceptions, he'd have a higher QBR than if he threw, if he was 0 for 30 for the game. I don't know how they measure all that, but. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm looking at oh, ESPN it, stats as opposed to regular stats, so it's giving me QBR instead of passer rating. I know that it's very punitive on His passer rating was 44.3. We should also point out, for as much uh, I just mentioned the Bears defense, the Bucks defense is back. 
keep out, uh, uh, keep an eye close on Tampa Bay because we've spent a lot of time discussing Arizona and LA and looking around to all the top teams. There are five teams that have less than two losses, fewer than two losses on the NFL season. All five are in the NFC. Antonio Brown didn't play in that game either, did he? No. They're down one of their and, one of their big three. And Mike Evans now has at least two touchdown receptions in the past three home games. Hey, d- d- let's James. talk about that for a second. You see Mike Evans gave away the 600th touchdown ball. Then they kept trying on the bench, and he said, I gave it away. I gave it away. He didn't realize it. They went and got it, pulled off a trade. Then Brady visited with the cancer kid. Just all-around good fan interaction from the Bucs. Uh, the, the, the fan should have not handed the ball over for what they offered well, it's him. Worth, uh, yeah, it was worth f- he, $500,000. The probably. Bucks are fleecing him. They're giving him a $1,000 gift card after the reaction because they gave him like an autographed jersey and something else. And Yeah, something else. Uh, yeah, and the reaction was, uh, this football is worth, I mean, when you look at these auctions. He got, they got $496,000 for the last ball of great value attached to Tom Brady. No, I mean, no one should be for walking him, They should be walking him through the locker room and oh, letting yeah. him point that stuff. I mean, right? I'm glad Brady got Brady the football. signing everything. But the, the fan who was just handed the football, you could negotiate better than that, man. <laughs> and uh, I would demand Brady come over and handle the negotiations, especially in a 38-3 game. Yeah, take me in the locker room, and I'll ch- chat with Tom. It's 38-3. Can I call a play? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Better yet, play a play? <laughs> Can I run, get on? Do you have a jet sweep of some kind where I uh, maybe one of the not, not the biggest guys out there can hit me? Coming up, Withrow gives us three big things that he learned about this Tennessee football team and their loss this past week down in Tuscaloosa against Alabama. That's straight ahead on Outkick 360. About to get into the Tennessee Volunteers. Outkick 360 rolls on. First, though, Chad, before you give us your three things you learned about Tennessee, congratulations to your Atlanta Braves. Headed to the World Series first time since 99. Here we go. Houston tomorrow was, night, game one. It was exciting Saturday night. Tyler Matzik, wow, uh, what a performance. Comes in, Luke Jackson gives up a run. They got runners on second and third, no one out. Up four to two, and he promptly strikes out the next three batters. Big time performance by him. And uh, in a year where the Braves of the 10 playoff teams were 10th with their record, it I, I said it in that, that Brewer series, feels like a bit of a team of destiny. And now they become America's team because they're playing the Houston Astros, who everyone still believes are cheaters. I hope that's the case. And they do not want the Astros to win a, a World Series. So, America, unite with me behind the Atlanta Braves. Paul agrees, even. Even I, begrudgingly, am rooting for the Atlanta Braves, which makes my sister-in-law very happy because <laughs> she uh, could never understand why I was so against my brother's team. It's crazy you don't, because we don't think of Atlanta as this great um, sports community because it's such a because melting pot. And it's not. Terrible but also, it's, uh, it's very weird when you can actually see the starvation of success when one of their teams does well. I mean, that was an environment in Atlanta over the weekend. And those aren't all people just from Atlanta. People come from all, all over the Southeast for that game. But that that's a awesome. city that wants something to attach themselves to. And you could see that in that game, in that series. Yeah. And, um, should so be a good series. Game one tomorrow night, uh, game two on Wednesday, and then Friday, Saturday, 
I believe that's right. Or is it Thursday, Friday? No, I think it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's right. Uh, three games in Atlanta. And then uh, the World Series Game 7 would be a week from Wednesday, if necessary, down in Houston. It's going to so be it's fun. So Withrow against McLean. Can't wait. John will be on the show tomorrow. I'm going to get John real mad just talking about how they're stealing signs and banging drums <laughs> or banging trash cans and doing things like that because oh, never did any that. supporter of the Houston Astros, they don't want to talk about. That's just old time. That's the past. They don't want to talk about it. Chad, uh, three things you learned about Tennessee and their battle against Alabama this weekend. Um, Tim, number one, Tim Banks is the assistant coach of the year for Tennessee, which is shocking with their improvement on offense. But this defense I thought would be the worst in the SEC. And I'm saying this after they gave up 574 yards. They played well. They, they play hard. They play assignment football. They know what they're doing. They play fast. They forced 23rd downs for Alabama, which is not easy to do. Now, the problem with the defense, and this is the last two weeks, and again, these against the two best quarterbacks in college football. They're not playing anybody better than Matt Corral and, and Bryce Young. Alabama converted 11 third and seven pluses in this game. Third and seven plus, 11 times they got the conversion. A big part of that is Tennessee can only do one thing. They played great coverage. They dropped seven or eight. And they have a spy, and the spy is not quick enough to tackle the quarterback when he scrambles. Bryce Young did it on a touchdown, did it multiple times. Matt Corral made a living against Tennessee doing just that. Guys were covered, quarterback takes off and runs. Tennessee's just not quite there yet where they could stop everything against the really good teams. But Tim Banks has done a phenomenal job. I, this thought, year. They, I thought the pass rush was better than expected, though. Byron Young with a sack, uh, Roman Harrison with a sack. I thought Byron Young got banged up late in the game, but. That looks really. He's coming along. He's 24 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a crazy story, but he, they need him to be a really good pass rusher. He's starting to come on. I, I'm with you. The pass rush looked good. They're good against the run. They were solid against the run against Alabama. Um, so I really like what Tim Banks has done. Number two, Josh Heupel is hamstrung when his quarterback can't run. Uh, we saw it time and time again on third and short. Those are plays where Josh Heupel wants to have either a run-pass option or a run-run option. What I mean by run-run option is not just a handoff, but where his quarterback can read it, either a read option or a straight option. We saw that a couple times against Ole Miss, one for a touchdown, where it was old-school option to the right with Hendon Hooker and a running back, and Hendon Hooker would keep it. Hendon Hooker, limited in this game with his mobility, really hurts Josh Heupel. We saw that. I know Tennessee fans are complaining about a lack of creativity on third down. They would get third and two or shorter and try to run up the middle, and Alabama was not having it. And those were some quick punts back to Alabama and really hurt Tennessee's defense late in the game, as we saw. Uh, finally, um, Tennessee's got to stay aggressive on fourth down throughout the game, especially against Alabama. I understand when they're playing a Missouri or South Carolina or Vandy later in the year or South Alabama – or maybe even Kentucky, because I don't know that Kentucky is all that much better than Tennessee, which we'll have two weeks to talk about that based on some outcomes of similar opponents. But against Alabama, you can't punt in that one situation on, on fourth down. You, you, you have to ride with what got you to this point and has given you some success, and that is a go-for-it mentality. Josh Heupel has to stay aggressive against teams. He needed to take the Lane Kiffin approach, quite honestly. Yes. If Tennessee was going to have a legitimate chance of winning the game. Go for it there. Go for it on fourth down. That that one time's the one that I really bring it up. You know, late in the game, they're down 21, 
it's fourth and seven from their own 28, and they go for it. And there's a lot of coaches who would have punted that. You know why? Because Nick Saban would have taken a knee, and you would have covered the spread, and the final score would have looked better. I like that he went for it there. Didn't get it. Alabama scored a few plays later, attack on touchdown to make it 28. But that's the type of mentality you got to have on that previous fourth down instead of punting it. Tennessee can't continually ask their defense to come up with stops. At some point, the offense has to be the offense. That's the engine of Josh Heupel's program. When you get a fourth and short in that situation, you got to go for it. And Josh Heupel's going to learn from that. I think he's learned what we've seen from him this year is when there's a mistake in one game, something goes wrong, Tennessee is is moving on pretty quickly and, and building on those mistakes. So he's got to learn from that too. Yeah, and a lot to discuss over the coming week uh, with Tennessee as they go into an open weekend prior to that November 6th matchup against the Wildcats. Plenty of SEC talk throughout the week, uh, starting with the Vols, but continuing with Bama and more. When we come back, we get into the Tennessee Power Hour. Titans blow out the Chiefs, and now they're in the mix for the AFC crown. 